Welcome to the Stemmer Report Podcast, Episode 6, the podcast where I talk about African-American and family history news that you may have missed. It's Monday, July 22nd, 2019. I'm your host, Jay Wilson. In this episode, we'll be taking a look at why so few African-Americans own land and what has been the consequences for that throughout the years. All right. Let's get to it. In 1876, 11 years after the Civil War and close to the tail end of Reconstruction, about 5% of black families in the rural South owned land. Less than 50 years after slavery was abolished in the United States, former enslaved African Americans and their descendants amassed almost 15 million acres in America, with the vast majority of it in the South. Owning land meant security and possibility for black families. The laborer's property was mostly used for farming, the central profession of most Southern Blacks in the early 20th century. By 1920, African Americans accounted for 10% of the population. There were 925,000 Black-owned farms amounting to about 14% of all farms in the United States. African Americans attained so much land in Georgia in so little time that white Americans were flabbergasted and enraged that daily news articles were printed cautioning the white race that the Negro would become rich and more powerful than the white man if the trend continued. Here's an anonymous op-ed from the Athens Banner in Athens, Georgia on January 20th, 1912. The Negroes are getting the land. The Negroes of the South of Georgia of Clark County are teaching the white farmers a lesson. The fact is that the white people generally, farmers or other classes of businessmen, have not learned it. It is brought out with sharp outlines and well-defined shape in the economic survey of Clark County made by the students at the state normal school who in their Georgia club are studying and analyzing every phase of country life conditions in the state. In that survey, a running narrative showing of which is published in this paper, here are some facts that will put the white people to thinking. The farm tilled by white owners in Clark County increased just 24 in number, or 19%, while the farms tilled by Negro owners increased by 84, or 73%. That is to say, nearly four times as fast. There are 210 farms cultivated by white owners and 198 farms cultivated by Negro owners, of only 12 fewer. But there is an increase of land-owning Negro farmers in general throughout the entire South in almost every county. In Clark County, for instance, the Negroes in 1910 owned 3,223 acres of land, a gain of 1,410 acres in five years. They own nearly one-eighth of all the farmland in the county. In Bradbury's district, they own more than one-fourth of the farmland and Princeton more than one-half, and in Sandy Creek District nearly three-fourths. In all, 957 Negroes in Clark County in the city and in the county own homes and farms. It means that two out of every five Negro poles in the county are landowners. Several times larger proportion of colored men own land than white men. There is the lesson for the whites who own or do not own farmlands. The Negro owns a small place and is slowly but steadily learning how to cultivate it, 
The white man owns a tremendous plantation and leaves it to tenants to abuse, or at least to fail, of the greatest possibilities of soil and surroundings. The bulwark of the nation is the country home on the farm owned and operated by the man who lives in it and on it. The big farms should be cut up and there ought to be 1,000. Let's put that in capitals. 1,000 white, thrifty, additional farmers in Clark County owning, making a good living and a neat profit besides off places that would average not more than 50 acres each. But by the time that article was printed, land the African Americans owned began to vanish. By 1975, just 45,000 black-owned farms remained. Between 1910 and 1997, black families lost about 90% of their farmland, a loss of hundreds of billions of dollars in land wealth by over 600,000 black farmers. Today, African Americans comprise less than 2% of the nation's farmers and 1% of its rural landowners. You ask yourself, what happened? There were a couple of ways this took place. The U.S. Department of Agriculture, better known as the acronym USDA, would not provide credit to black farmers on the same terms as for white farmers. Studies in the late 20th century found that county and state USDA authorities, who were typically white in the South, had historically and routinely discriminated against African American farmers. A USDA official might openly deny an equipment loan telling the black farmer that all you need is a mule and a plow or telling the black farmer that the disaster relief is too much money for a negro to receive but more often the usda used paper shuffling delaying loans for black farmers until the end of the planting season approving only a fraction of black farmers loan requests and denying crop disaster payments for black farmers which white farmers were routinely granted it led to the pigford settlement in 1999 by the United States which paid nearly two and a half billion dollars in payments to African-American farmers but by then it couldn't reverse the damage that had been done. Industrialization lured workers into factories and the great migration of blacks from the south to the north and midwest also contributed to land loss. Two other ways were violence and legal deception. A group called the White Caps, led by poor white farmers in the late 19th century and early 20th century, would confront, threaten, and beat black landowners at night. Most lynchings of black men that occurred between 1890 and 1920 took place because whites wanted their land. An Associated Press study in 2000 and 2001 uncovered 57 separate violent land takings out of 107 land takings, the other 50 involving deceit and legal manipulations. Legal trickery remains prominent today. Many black landowners who died didn't leave wills with the result that often the land is now held in common as heirs' property, which makes maintaining title challenging. 
it is estimated that 81% of early black landowners didn't make wills, largely due to a lack of access to legal resources or they didn't trust the southern court system. Their descendants then inherited the land without a clear title. In the South, according to one estimate, more than 50% of heirs property owners are African American, many of them the descendants of slaves and sharecroppers. Although heirs property exists in many areas of the country, it's most prevalent in low-income communities. Next time, we'll take a look at the violent, lawless movement called white capping and how it affected black landowners. And with that, that's the end of the podcast. You can always check out my family history, my ancestor Scottish slave owners, and news accounts at projectmccray.com. Thanks for listening, and I hope you have a great week.